the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of Aliens, Near Dark, and Terminator 2, Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein, welcome to Podcasting After Dark. And not to sound too cliche, but let's rock, right? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't have the same gravitas that that you had. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, yes. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we, Corey and I, are huge fans of your work. And it's always fun getting to meet somebody that you've grown up kind of idealizing in a way. And then... (laughs) It's a big disappointment now that you've met me. (laughs) No, not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's more of one of those things that, you know, we're all human. We're all real people. And then let's let's have a conversation. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about life. Let's talk about the past, the present, and the future. All right. So thanks for being on our show. And, um, you know, Corey, I can – I'm not going to speak for you totally, Corey, but I will say <laughs> Corey uh, will go down on record as saying Aliens is probably one of his favorite movies of all time. Uh, but there's there's no probably. It, it is. Um, I, I always tell people Star Wars is life, but Aliens is my single like favorite movie of all time. If I had to take just one movie to a desert island, it would be that. And uh, maybe it's because my dad took me to see it when I was eight years old in the theater. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, bad parenting. The 80s. <laughs> totally. The 80s were yeah, a wild. Right. All time. Um, it I, it kind of, you know, obviously kind of scared me, but um, uh, it also clearly made a huge impact on my life to the point where I had the board game when I was a kid. And, you know, I knew all the Colonial Marines names and, you know, obviously, you know all that kind of stuff and uh, and what order they, they died in and everything. But uh, I, I mean... I'm going to gush a little bit because this is just kind of mind blowing right now <laughs> to be talking to you. But yeah, I've been a fan uh, essentially my entire life, basically. About, yeah. <laughs> and you, your body of work is pretty extensive. Oh, I thanks. think. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 I mean, you Aliens was your first film that you. Yep. That made. was a yeah first film, first time even on camera. I mean, I'd never done TV wow. or commercials or anything. I'd been uh, on a stage actress. And- okay. Yeah, and where and you got your start? You, you're from LA originally. I'm from right? LA, which is is funny because you'd think you know I would do that, and um, no, you know I'd always been taken to the theater. My parents were big, you know, they loved going to the theater, Shakespeare and whatever was was playing, you know, when they were younger in New York as well. So that was my my uh, dream was to go to New York, okay, and and train and and you know be on the stage or do rep the, repertory theater, yeah. And, and then eventually, you know, they'd also had taken us to London and we saw the plays in London. And then, oh, wow. so that was another dream of mine of like, oh, I'll go to London and I'll be on the English stage. You know, that was my dream. And that's, that's how I ended up in London. Wow. Really? I mean, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I was a very directed little girl. I mean, once I figured out that pretending you could make a living, not make a living, actually, let me rephrase that. Um, <laughs> it was a job. It was a profession that you could yeah. work at and train at. Um, I was like all in. And nice. um, so I was very directed, you know, I was at, in high school in the plays. And then I, you know, heard about drama school in New York and, and went to New York. And then I went to London after finishing at Circle in the Square. It was okay. a professional training yep. program. There was a postgraduate program, which meant it was one more year in London. 
and I moved over to um, to London to do that, and then I stayed there. Wow. Yeah. So how long were you in London? I was there four years. Okay. I'd got, I'd gotten married to my boyfriend before going over there, and um, that allowed me, you know, to get my um, it's it's called your resident alien okay. card. So you were an alien before aliens. Yeah, and that's, a, you know, it's not called, that's, and, and actually that is a little uh, Easter egg there of how I, uh, you know, auditioned for the role. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So it's not called your green card, it's called your, res, you're a resident alien. Okay. And um, when they were casting, they were casting for a film called Aliens, and they specifically wanted to see Americans or North Americans only. This was at this hmm. this point. Okay. And this was I didn't have an agent, so I didn't know the specifics. It was in one of those, you know, backstage pages where if it's there, it's already cast, whatever. But yeah. I was like, oh, alien, you know, maybe in a blip in my mind, I remembered it going to Alien and thinking, but like, wow, this is eight years, you know, it can't be a sequel or whatever. And then I thought, oh, Resident Aliens, Americans, oh, may, it's got to be something about, you know, the underground thing where you marry your gay best friend to get your, you know, I, it's about that kind yeah. of world yeah. of immigrants who marry and get their resident. And that's, that was my idea when I walked into the audition that that was what I was re- going to read for. You thought you thought you were getting cast for the movie Green Card with uh, Gerard Depardieu exactly. and exactly. Uh, Annie McDowell. <laughs> right, I was the new. <laughs> I had hair like her back which then. Which I'm, yeah, and I yeah. love that movie. By the way, it's, I saw that movie with my mom, which tells you about my background. But anyways, <laughs> um, and I really loved it. But so okay, so you go in for this, and you're yeah, you're thinking it's one thing, and then you get there, and you're like, oh, this is not what I expected. Yeah, well, I went in. You know, it was a um, just a meeting. There wasn't any like sides or any audition, and so you know. Any sort of meeting, I just sort of did a light wash of makeup and a pair of sensible pumps. And, you know, I just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I dressed, you know, I remember I, was, I wore a pair of like, like nice little slacks and it, it was unusually warm. This is in London that it was in the summer and I was wearing a sleeveless blouse. Okay. And when I walked in and um, Gail, um, the producer, you know, she was... Um, she said, you know what this movie is about? I said, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I don't. Which, well, it's about a bunch. It's the sequel to Alien. Have you seen that? I said, oh, yeah. Ab- oh, absolutely. And then she said, <laughs> and so um, there are these Marines, and we're seeing people to be this army, you know, and I just thought, oh, my God, you know, I have completely misdressed. You know, I would have, you know, <laughs> slicked my hair back, worn some, you know, what. And w- But when she said Marines, I kind of did this little bicep flex okay, cool. just to show, like, oh, you know, I because I had just been... It, this was the very end of two years of intense uh, weightlifting I had undergone. For a role? Or? No, it was, um, <laughs> I had left, I had graduated from drama school and I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for jobs and going crazy and kind of running around the park. And there was a weightlifters, bodybuilders gym okay. up the street from me. And I'd been a gymnast as a young girl and a tomboy. And I had a pull-up bar in my bedroom I kid you not <laughs> I mean I was I was a tomboy yeah totally. and so awesome. I was like cool I'm, I'm gonna go and I started working out at the gym and Mr. and Miss Britain worked out there okay it was this little you know gym in East London kind of a rundown neighborhood but they happened to work out there so I oh. sort of got into you know bodybuilding and the whole thing and I just it, you know I kind of for two years I was like I can do this and I'm really good so it just I just happened to be in the best shape of my life and the audition, you know, appeared or whatever, and, you know, she said, "Oh my God, you know, are you a bodybuilder?" I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not a bodybuilder. I just did do that, and I'm an actress." And then she asked, "Are there other actresses out there like you?" And I'm like, <laughs> no. "No, no." But there wasn't. There was hardly yeah. any women in the gym. I mean, this was 1985. Yeah, fitness was still uh, very mm-hmm. um, segregated at that time. It was like, well, guys work out in the gym. Right. Girls work out in a fitness studio. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So, the, and this was a bodybuilder's gym. So it was like yeah. all guys, and there was also a boxing ring. Yeah, there was like the fitness, like um, Jane Fonda yeah. exercise studio. Yeah, and, but there was I the, used to work out but today. there were the women. There were the bodybuilder <laughs> women. Yeah, you know, like uh, Lisa Lyons, and there were you know, it was but it was very cult, very alt for yes. the women's. Yeah, and I remember Muscle Muscle and Fitness magazine because my brother yeah, was yes. a bodybuilder too. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, they're, they're they're great. It's a, such a subculture, and I would go to the yeah, um, totally the events, the and they're just great. I mean, I love it was this whole subculture that I just got really into, and I, I kind of loved all the people and 
It was it was really fun. What there's an actor named uh, Richard Horvitz who teaches uh, voice acting now and uh-huh. brilliant voice actor teaching teacher by the way. Um, but he talks about there is no such thing as coincidences in his opinion. <laughs> and so here you are, going into this ca- this audition thinking it's one thing, ends up being this other thing. Right. But you were in a way prepared for that. It was it was you know it was it <laughs> was crazy. very strange and also. Um, they had the thing is they had already cast so um they Jim and Gail had wanted to do like what they had done with Arnold. So the okay. the character of Vasquez was it was very important that she have this body, this physicality. Yeah. They needed the body. And they just assumed there were no actresses yeah. with that, and they were gonna do what they did with Arnold. They would find a bodybuilder and they would teach her to act. And Fair they, enough, yeah, uh, yeah and you know that we, they had done it with him successfully to a point. And uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, it's all good. Kidding me. Um, you can always edit something too if you want to. Okay, go if there. I don't want. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, and they actually did. There was um, um, a bodybuilder who they had. I don't know at what point of the deal it was, but you know they had reached out to her. Um, they had been maybe acting, or I don't know where it was. However, she. Um, either passed or was having issues. Okay. She'd become a born-again Christian, and she had problems with the language, and, I, I, you know, whatever. There were issues. And I walked in, and um, I was not there to be seen for that role. I mean, that was the thing. Yeah. It, it was cast. That, so what role were you? Well, they were they were looking for the um, the other players. The um, it was So it was either the pilot okay. or the medic. Okay. Or even possibly one of the women, you know, because when you film um, in England, you have to use, you have to show that you have searched amongst the um, American, North American actors who do have, who can legally work there and they have a British equity card. Oh, I see. You have to, you know, to say before bringing over, you know, your your leads to come in. It's a yeah. union thing. They're, they they protect their their actors there. Better. And all these people come in thinking, oh, yeah, I did a great job. And they're like, no, we're not. We're just seeing you because we have to. Well, <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. But they did say right away, they you know, because they gave me the sides. Um, you know, she said, oh, can you come back and, like, wear some jeans or something like that? I said, sure, you know, put my hair back. And I'm going to give you some sides. Um, was your hair long at that point? Yeah, it was very long. Okay. So um, the gave me some sides. This is a role. It's Vasquez. It's, you're not reading for her. She's already been cast. We just want to hear how you read. Okay. So it was a little bit, it was a couple of scenes here and there. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, went home and I was thinking, well, I I don't know, how do you show how you can act by not being the character? I'm just going to be the character and then they can make of it what they want, yeah. you know. Um, and so I did that. And then uh, Gail said, you know, this is kind of strange. You have, do you have a couple of hours? You have an hour or so to go to lunch and come back? And I said, yeah. Um, okay. I'm so unemployed. I have all the time in the world. <laughs> well, like, let me check yeah, my let schedule. Let me check my schedule here. You don't have a watch on your wrist, but you're looking at your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so she says, she said, okay, so I'm going to give you this, um, this uh, monologue. Um, it's for a role. It's Hudson's Hudson. You're not reading for um, this role. It's just, I just, again, I want to hear how you read. Okay. So I'm like, oh my God. Okay. This is wow. so I went out to lunch and she said, you know, just, you know, work with it and come back and do the best you can. And it was it was that uh, monologue. It was cut from the um theatrical mm-hmm. one. It's one where he's going, We got guns, we got knives, we got and he's doing that whole <laughs> yeah. kind of pumping everybody up. So I thought, okay, who am I reading? Who's this? This is another character. Okay, I'm, this is someone else I'm not reading for. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will do this character now. And I came back and I did my version of Hudson in that scene. <laughs> You know, I hadn't read the script. You know, they don't give you the script. Yeah. And then she was like, thanks. That was great. Okay. You know, we'll uh, call you, you know, give me, I'm just trying to think. There were no cell phones then. <laughs> give yeah. me your phone. I'm right. like, who is she going to call? Um, and then um, it was weird. And then I came back and I met um, Cameron. And again, he started wanting me to improvise on Vasquez and talk about her and do different things. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, again, I was confused at what was going on. Um and then he said, okay, that's, that's uh, you know, that's really great. He asked me, you know, what sort of ethnicity I was. And I said, I'm kind of mixed. I'm Jewish all through, but I'm, you know, mixed in Brazilian and Russian and different things. Yeah. And um, 
I walked out of the room and going to get my train home, you know, and um, they kind of ran after me and said, can you come back in the room? And I, oh, yeah, sure. And then he said, um, oh, this is really strange, um, but we want you in the film and we want to get you before anyone else does again. Oh, yeah. Let me check my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me see. Um, there's so many offers. Um, so we're going to, uh, we don't know what role we're going to give you. But we here's the script, and uh, we'll be in touch maybe in a couple of weeks. Wow! To and yeah, it was just I was my mind was you must have been blown just blown. Away. Just it was I couldn't. I mean, I I wasn't quite sure who he was. I knew he was the writer. He was crawling on the floor with me. He had a little <laughs> camera. I mean, he was you know everyone was so young. I mean, yeah, Gail was twenty eight, twenty nine. He wow. was third. I mean, it, I mean, I was wow. It, it, it was you know I thought well, okay, I guess he's the director, but dude. Film directors crawl on the floor and improvise with you. And I mean, it was so. Um, I, I walked out. Wow. The casting director said, "Oh, um, do you have an agent? Do you want to do? I, I don't. I know. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I should. Do you want to do the deal, or should I get you an agent? Okay. I was like, oh, yes, please. You know, it was it was like <laughs> the most bizarre thing. Wow. Went back. I was just, you know, I was I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, and then. Two weeks later, you know, I got the call from the casting director. Said, you know, congratulations, we've got good news for you. You're they're going to give you the role of Vasquez. So, oh. yeah. And you're like the that person that was uh, you had in mind. Obviously, that did fell through. Yeah, you know, I don't obviously know what yeah. had gone on during that time wow. and what had what had you know. Wow, that's crazy. But but the Jim, you know, he he, you know, the the lovely bastard that he is was like, <laughs> you know, no, this is who. I want, and I don't care that you don't know who she is, and I don't care, you know, that, and he, wow. and that was kind of with him, he was like, you can do it, I trust you, you know who she is, you know, what? I mean, it was, that was kind of amazing when someone just has their, you know, their trust. Yeah, you, you in lock you. in on somebody, and you just, you, 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 he just knew, even if you didn't know. Well, that, that, that was kind of. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So here, what a whirlwind at this point now. That was, yeah, that was great. You know, it was, uh, I can't remember how many years. I guess it was about a year and a half, two years out of drama school. You know, yeah. and I did a lot, I was doing a lot of fringe theater and, you know, trying to get into rep company. You know, how any actor does and all my friends who stayed in New York, what they were doing, everybody was just hustling. Getting and, into training, you know, and like you said, like working out in that gym and thinking, well, this is just something to pass the time and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, it, I still love um, lifting weights and doing yeah. that. That's just kind of my thing. But here it is, like it, it, it propelled you into this role and you became Vasquez, like, you know. Yeah. You, 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 I know Corey specifically, uh, he and I will have conversations all the time about like, well, you know, that just the motivation behind certain scenes or like, um, you know, the, 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 the text you had on your armor or like, oh. what is that all about? And like, I know he wants to ask you that question. Okay. Ask and, away. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, getting into that, like I was going to, I was thinking of Corey Everson. Do you know who Corey Everson? Sure. Okay. Of yeah. course. Cause uh, she was a big, yeah. No, know, that was during that time. Yeah. She was Miss, uh, Miss America. Was it called Miss, uh, universe? I, Miss universe? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I read, you know. Yeah. And I was like, was oh, mad. she's cool. Like I, I loved my mom. Up and down will always praise my mom. She's just strong. I think they tried to to make. I mean, there was there they was tried. during the time of Conan the Barbarian. I think they were trying to you know find. Uh, Sandel Bergman was the uh, right. actor who did that. You know. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. I, she was more of a dancer, a trained dancer, but still. Yeah. You know, yeah. Anyways, th yeah, that's so cool. Like that. Brigitte yeah. Nielsen yeah. and all those big powerful women. You know, the interesting thing was is that all of those films were all fantasy and superhero type films. There yeah. never was. To my mind, you know, a, an actual real person, a real woman person. Yeah. She always had to be sort of a superhero in order Larger to be Larger than life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And here you guys are, this ragtag group of space marines. Yeah, know, no, that's the one thing. Words. I did not want to make her be larger than life or some kind of superhero. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to let Corey take this, but just <laughs> I just have to say, like, the, the emotion, the realness that comes out of these characters, mm -hmm. every single one of them, and it's so compelling. You know, I don't think there's there's not many movies in life where you can just sit down and like immediately get drawn into the characters, but you are immediately drawn in. The ensemble is yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, every single actor, every and you know who they are and you feel for them, and yeah, that was yeah. such an amazing group of of actors. And Corey, I I know you want to ask about the, um, the the writing on her armor. 
Well, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the writing that's on uh, Vasquez's chest plate armor. Now, I heard that a lot of the actors uh, decorated their own armor to kind of give it a sense of um, you know theirs and uniqueness to it. Was that your uh, that phrase your idea to yes. put it on there, or was that like a production design thing? No, no. All the actors, we all we all decorated all of our armor and our lockers. Um, okay. So that was mine. That was that's um awesome. yeah. That was from I was doing um research and I had been uh, reading this um, Chicana um, poet from I don't know, LA or San Antonio I can't remember but um, that was in the poem and it was um, a graffiti that had been written on a wall from a, a, a gang member um, and it you know it means the the risk always lives or there's no life without risk mm-hmm. you know that's the yeah. sort of um, less literal translation so yeah no that was that was definitely. That's when beautiful. I read that, I just thought that's great. What was the yeah, what was the motivation? So iconic now, <laughs> on you know, on the chest armor like that. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there, there's. The, it, I love that you are all able to kind of identify your persona. Like that was what was the process, the thought, the reasoning behind that. Well, that was Jim. I mean, he, you know, he. I mean, that's such a gift for an actor to do that. I mean, you do that in consultation with production and costume and all of that. Mm-hmm. But to to be, you know, brought in as a, you know, an artistic member of the, the crew, you know, I mean, you're creating, sometimes, yeah. you know, you'll walk into your, your room and you go, oh, okay, this is where I live. I <laughs> have to rethink my, <laughs> my conception of the character. Um, no, it was, it was great. No, he just said, go ahead. You know, it, it helped and made, se- it made sense. It was logical. And, uh, boy, we ate it up. I mean, loved <laughs> it. I mean, I, I, you know, I have, I have things that I wrote, um, like I have a tattoo. I don't even think it on my um, forearm, my inner forearm, that I don't think is even in a shot. Hmm. But, you know, that was for me. You know, every actor does things for themselves, and it yeah. doesn't matter if, it, if it's seen, but it, it helps you. Helps did, you did you have any other, like, any Latin characters that you looked to sort of for inspiration to, to get in, into the role of Vasquez? Or get into the head of her, I guess I should well, say? Well, I am... Um, my locker. I mean, I was thinking, you know, I, with any character that I portray, you know, because I'm a character actress, and you know, I, I, I've yet to play my myself. Um, if I ever find out who that is, um, <laughs> but I mean, I there are, you know, actors. I mean, actors have different processes, but I, I like, you know, inspiration boards and things. You know, artists do that. And on my locker, I was, I had, um, been fascinated with the Sandinistas in, um, in Nicaragua. Mm. And uh, where I ended up going after I came back to L.A. And I had this great picture. It's on my locker of a young girl holding um, a rifle. And she has her um, cross in her in her mouth. She's kind of just um, holding it. And then there was another picture of a um, Richard Abaddon book, this famous book where he did these black and white self-portraits, uh, not self-portraits, portraits. And there's this wonderful carny. And he's almost like a snake um, uh, figure uh, he's a Chicano and, and I had that on my locker that in my mind it was my brother and I don't know I mean just little touch things of who she was where she came from yeah. I mean you know it said in the script you know she had she was a gang member and she was serving life in juvenile prison and I mean that was that was the backstory of both her and Drake they okay. both were serving life sentence juvenile prison and they were conscripted into the army, so that made them very different from the other ones who yeah, had joined. Totally. So that was the backstory. But like you, you, you took it apart and even added so much more detail. Like you said, the, the tattoo on your arm to help you stay motivated and. You well, know. the tattoo. I mean, it's funny. I don't even know the tattoo. I, you know, I as as an actor, I'm looking at the script, and and to me, the script is about mothers and daughters. Mm. It's mm. absolutely about. You know, um, you lose the fact, unfortunately, in the the theatrical version where. Um, Ripley comes back and her daughter has di- already died, yeah. you know, of can't passed away. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the mother-daughter figure, so Newt. And then you have, of course, the queen and her children. I mean, it is. It's about ferocity of, of, of women, mothers yeah. and daughters. And so I, you know, knowing the, where she came from, I, I, in my story of who Vasquez was, that she had a daughter mm. who was being raised now by her mother and when she you know went to prison and her name was you know her name it, it was Inez so I had just it just tattooed on my arm oh because, very cool and, and it's funny because I don't know if um you know somebody asked you know I think maybe somebody saw it and was like oh is that her girlfriend 
And you know that was that was sometimes somebody asked. I said no, that was that's the name of her daughter. Which makes even more sense. Like the, the, the and that was just a hook. Yeah, you know yeah. me as an actor into what the story. Oh, it adds so much more depth to was who about. you are. I don't know. I mean, actors as a person. I love yeah. that. Anyway, and and uh, and um, Vasquez and and Drake are obviously very close in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you and Mark Rol? Uh, I'm sorry, Mark uh, Ralston. Mm-hmm. Did you guys like? Uh, have a special bond uh, while you were filming it too. Did that that helped make that come you know on the screen come off on the screen? We absolutely we absolutely did. I mean, we we actually had not met each other before. I mean, he's American as well and had gone to drama school there and married a, an English woman. And um, but we met and we were we had such a luxury that we were afforded all the actors that we got two weeks to train, to hang out with wow. each other, to uh, rehearse. I mean, that's kind of unheard of. Yeah. And um, we'd go over to, so he lived there. He had a house. He was, you know, I did too, but I had a tiny apartment. He invited us over for dinner, me and his wife, and he had a, a young boy. And and it was great. And so we became very close friends because we were always there on the, yeah. our stools next to each other, <laughs> strapped in this thing. And then we um, are best friends. We've been friends ever since. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, yeah, that's he great. came. That's he, awesome. Yeah, he came back to L. When I decided to come to L.A. for the premiere, mm-hmm. and he's from uh, Baltimore, um, ah. he came over with me and he stayed at my folks' house. And you know, so yeah, no, he's my he's my closest male friend. Did you move to L.A. then after this movie was made? I did. I you know I had no plans. People said always said when I moved away, oh, when are you coming back? I said I don't know when I feel like moving back. <laughs> um, I hadn't been back, and I got. The call from, the, you know, um, I think it was Gail, I think, or one of the production to say that, you know, it's, um, you should really come back for the premiere. You know, um, people really like your performance and what, you know, all that. And and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to LA. Obviously, it's a good time. So yeah. I, I went back for that. And um, I was kind of by country by continent or something that was that was my idea that was so I went back and forth a bit I got um, I got agents in Los Angeles okay. and um, and then eventually eventually I I decided I would stay here because this is all pretty relatively new to you it was really it was really <laughs> right? new no I mean I had an agent in um, in London but I had only just had it and I came back and you know no one had heard of me I was you know I was so old. I was 26. But in a way, you know, it was like... Well, yeah, at the time, yeah. You know, you're not, you know. And um, I got, a, you know, an agent and auditions and, and you know, Catherine and I got into another movie. So all yep. the work, all the work was happening in Los Angeles oh and it was gosh. not happening in London. No. For me. No. So I, yeah, and I moved here. I was going to say, I remember when Aliens was being made and there was discussion about it in the magazines and whatnot and saying it was being filmed in London. And it was so foreign to me at the time as a kid because I just thought, oh, they make movies over there? I thought <laughs> they make everything in Hollywood. I was so naive to it, you know. Mostly. But uh, <laughs> but um, when you were filming it, that, so and I didn't know this Not maybe up until 10 years ago because obviously Corey did because he's way more into it, Aliens than I am, even though I'm a huge fan. But the, um, the casting of Hicks originally was James Remar, and then they changed that over. Yeah. And was, was, how was that transition for you as, a, as, an, as an actor with this team you were already starting to bond it with? It was very strange. It was, um, I mean, we had been working with him for, uh, you know, two weeks, and um, then we had started filming. I forget how, how uh, many weeks or maybe a week. We were in the, and then all of a sudden he was gone. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And here was Michael Bean, who I, you know, I knew from Terminator. I thought yeah. he was amazing. And he had a completely different take mm. on Hicks, which was interesting. Very, yeah. very different. And, um, you know, we just all, was, you know, we were the, we were a, a unit and we just took him in and we just kept, kept going. Wow. Well, it, it, it translates on screen, obviously, because but it, it, I, I've often thought, like, what would, I, what would that have been, you know? It's very different. I mean, you know, you know his voice, that d- gruffness. Yeah. And I mean, it was very different. And, yeah. and Michael just has that softness and the quiet intensity. And so yeah. it, was a, it was, yeah, it would have been a, a different, a different, I don't know, a different film, but definitely a different, wow. different portrayal. I, we, had, we had put a, Corey had put a post out on our Instagram and said, did anybody has questions, you know, for you to mm-hmm. throw them out? And one of them was, were the, were the, were the guns heavy? 
like that you had to carry? Oh yes. Really? <laughs> okay. Oh yes. I was very. I mean, the the smart gun was a um, an AR. I, you know, I'm not a gun person. I don't. Neither am I. But it's that one that sits on the tripod on the back of the pickup truck, like okay. an Angola. That they, you know, it's it's this massive gun. It's like 75, 80 pounds. Wow. And yeah, it's huge. And but it was. Um, Mounted on a Steadicam. I mean, you know that the, the armor breastplate that I was wearing was a Steadicam unit that mm-hmm. was um, modified, and so it had a balance to it. Okay, but cool. I mean, if you speak to Steadicam operators, I mean, it's really you have to. It kills your back, and yeah. you have to walk a certain way. And but that was all Jim setting that all up. But that yeah, that was incredibly heavy. And then <laughs> the other gun seemed amazingly light. <laughs> In comparison, <laughs> it was like a toothpick, but it was a real, you know, it, you know, it had weight. It wasn't a piece of wood or something like that. Well, it's like going into the gym and, you yeah. know, doing bench presses and then suddenly having to go over to do right. some And we did the, pulls. we did the <laughs> smart gun thing. The first, it was the first two weeks of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then we did the scene in the atmosphere processing station with all the cats and then they all get, you know, the ones who get killed. And then we went into the other part. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I can't imagine. I remember as a kid, I would uh, I worked with my stepdad, and he did tile contracting, and I'd mm. t- carry that tile saw. Tile saws now are way lighter than they were back then, and so going up and down stairs with a seventy five piece. Oh of, man! You know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah. It not was... the same as having a machine gun strapped to me, but uh... <laughs> it helps you focus. It helps you focus <laughs> totally. as an actor. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It was yeah. like it was like a war, like a battle. You know, I mean, it was like to stay upright and not be hit by the you know the casings that would come out and right. you know it was it really focused you you know and if if I Jeanette was scared which I was I would keep it down you know you you use what you have I mean that's a, a thing that actors do and yeah. it was like you just you just use it of course you're scared were you able to turn that off like after you were done with the movie you just that was the character that was asking oh yeah I'm always okay. always that's great yeah. that's great versus going to method and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 wonderful to take off that mask and all of that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so you come out to LA after this, uh-huh. and then are you offered the part of? Do you go directly to Near Dark soon after that, or how did that? I did go directly. Um, I'm can't. Um, I Catherine Bigelow um, had uh, been working with James Cameron. Um, mm-hmm. They knew each other and. I guess she saw the movie, couldn't find me. I don't know if I didn't have an agent or I wasn't in SAG, but he had the um, my mother's phone number. <laughs> you know, I was living at, at their house. And so she just called me up and was like, hi, I'm a friend of James Cameron. He gave the number. And, I, when you know, I have a script and, you know, and I read it. It was amazing. The yeah. script is so beautiful. It's so minimalist yeah. and poetic and and, um, it's a very unique film. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I it. just loved it. And it's funny when I would go out with, you know, the guys and, you know, Bill with Bill Paxton and Mar- we get together and everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know, so what are you reading for? What are you reading for? You know, oh, we had this audition and they hadn't they didn't mention and I didn't mention that we had read for this because describing the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a vampire Winnebago. <laughs> we would sound like, you know, it was too embarrassing to describe. Yeah. So we just were like, uh, and there's and finally one night someone said, oh, it's, well, that's this interesting movie. It's a vampire. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm reading for that. Yeah, me too. Oh, really? I mean, it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't want to say because it, it sounds so hokey. Yeah, but, if, you, you know, if you broke it down, it sounds you, a little hokey. Yeah, but, it sounds like this is this is terrible. Yeah. But um, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Meets Lost Boys. <laughs> right. No, there you go. That, that's how they should have marketed. Maybe it would have got done better. <laughs> well, it's it's a weird time because Lost Boys came out around the same time, the same weekend. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yes. know that. Yes. Okay. It was Halloween. Oh my gosh. It was yeah. It was Halloween weekend. They're so different though. I know. I and know. and the fact that okay, I'm a huge um, movie soundtrack guy. I love soundtracks. And Tangerine Dream doing the soundtrack, it's so magical. Oh, yeah. Like, they're one of the best soundtrack groups, I guess you would say. Um, but anyways, in, in then the, and then the casting, you go from Aliens, and you've got, oh, wait, three guys from, three characters from mm-hmm. Aliens are now in Near Dark together as a family. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it, it, it really, it, I mean, it has that kind of, I mean, it's the, the independent, low-budget grindhouse, you know, genre film. Yep. You know, that is also one of the tropes, is that you recognize people from the other films who've yeah. worked with so-and-so. I Which mean, I always loved. 
Still do. Yeah, you go, oh, I remember him from, you know, Piranha 2. Or, you know, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's well, but I, what stood out to me initially was uh, Tim Thomerson being in it. Oh, And I love Tim so Thomerson. great. And so I have a lot of feelings about Near Dark because I think it's one of those movies that needs to be revisited. Um, but I was at a Fangoria convention years ago and Lance Henriksen was a guest there. Uh-huh. And he told a story about how he and Bill went into a diner together in, in full makeup. <laughs> Did you guys ever do anything like that? <laughs> I, no, no, because I, w- I prefer to stay alive. I, I mean, and actually it wasn't, it was, you know, it was really Lance leading the crazy charge. As, as crazy like as, as Paxton was, I mean, Lance, I mean, he had those weird nails that he had gotten done and kind of sawed them down. And then they drove when we, we were filming a lot in um, Arizona, south of Tempe somewhere. I forget the name of the, the town. And, and you know, he, they drove out there. And, you know, he went, he's very method, you know, Lance and, yes. and all of that. I mean, you know, um, I mean, Bill is crazy, but it's kind of a studied crazy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? For a fa- and so, yeah, they have a lot of stories. But no, I, I, I sort of stayed separate from that. You know, you know, we were at the same sort of truck stop, but smart. <laughs> yeah, it you was didn't a- get pulled over by the cops then, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he told that story. Um, I know, I know. Cool. <laughs> did did then did you stay um, in contact with Bill Paxton afterwards? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, both Bill and us. It yeah. just seems like do you obviously have fond memories then of. Oh, relationship with him. Yeah, and, he was the greatest, the greatest guy. Yeah, such a talent. And, I know, just a, just a best friend and husband and father and, you know, great. just really brilliant sort of guy and, you know, just tragic. Well, I feel like, you know, Near Dark is in no way compared to Aliens, but, but the fact that near, it's, uh, you could compare it in the sense that it's such a unique film and it's different from everything else around it and tells a beautiful story. And the fact, too, that Catherine Bigelow was the director at a time when that was not, it was, I don't want to say taboo, but it was definitely not something that was popular, I guess, back then, right? You mean having a woman director? A few, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unlike now? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yeah, it was very uh, unusual. I mean, it was her first solo directing foray as she did a, a co-directing piece with Willem Dafoe. Um, but yeah, to have a, a, a female uh, genre director... Um, and writing the script as well. I mean, and writing the script. Yeah, she wrote it with Eric Red, and then yeah. it was her. Yeah, no, I mean, she was, you know, she came from the art art school, art background. And so, yeah, it was, it was a strange time. I mean, as far as being able to describe what sort of film it was, it was very difficult. It was because it was before Quentin Tarantino. It was before. So if yeah. it was, if you had, a, if you were in an independent film or if you were booking it in a theater, it was either Grindhouse. Yeah low-budget horror, whatever, or it was a, a, a foreign a foreign French film. There wasn't the mixture of art and, and grind together. Yeah. So um, they went, they, you know, I think that's how they marketed it, why they did it over Halloween, and they had that poster of the big bloody head yes. of Bill, which I thought was a joke when <laughs> I saw it. Because he 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 had um, said how you know he's like oh man I never get my face on a poster like we went to when when they did um uh the oh god what was he was the um so he was always joking he never had his his head so we went into the office and there was that picture it was like one still of you know one yeah. frame of his bloody head and I thought he was joking I thought he had gotten it made up just to show okay and they're like no 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 that's actually the poster the bloody oh man you know because in Mad Magazine. When it came out, his, we went to, I remember we went to Cantor's, you know, there was a yeah. newsstand by Cantor's and we, we get the Mad Magazine, oh my God, he's, I'm in Mad We open it up and he's drawn as a chicken head. He's like, oh, <laughs> dude, you know, it was like, it's like, my, I'm in Mad Magazine and it's not my face, you know, so that's yeah. why I thought it was just, he was just pulling her leg and so, yeah, so everything was like, this is horror, this is gore. And it's really not. I mean, it's. So it, I almost, I almost felt like the, the, the kids that went to see it expecting gore. Yeah probably were like, ugh. Yeah. And the and the audience, more of the art audience, older film buff, who would, would have liked it, probably went, ugh, this doesn't look like something I'd want to see, and they would have appreciated it. Mm. So it was discovered later on. But it, I think it two week, had a two-week run or something. I mean, it was not a long yeah, run. Yeah, and I remember seeing it on video. And, and, yeah. And again, I was a huge Tim Thomerson fan, and I thought, oh, it's so cool to see him like as a dad character. Yeah. And, 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 and everybody, there's like a lot of, hope in this film in this weird way for me like adrian pazdar's character i'm like oh he could he can still turn back and you know uh-huh. what's going on 
there was so much much depth to it. I watched a ton, that movie three times in a row oh, wow. when it came out because I just loved it so much because <laughs> it was so different, you know. But then you go from that to Terminator 2. Right? Terminator 2, yes. I do the second part of... <laughs> and I love your character. And I remember when you came on screen and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I want to see more of you, right? And I know Corey was saying, she says, oh, we got to we gotta ask Jeanette. What, uh, how's Wolfie doing? Right, right, Corey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, got, we got fine. a few requests for that one. Yeah. Wolfie's just fine. Wolfie's just fine. <laughs> no, that's great. That was, uh, uh, Jim gave me my chance to play a mother. Because like, we, had, we had talked about like, oh, you're so, you know, because I was a mom then. And he's like, oh, nobody nobody ever thinks of you as being a mother. You're always playing these like mean. So he said, oh, I got a mother a mother role for you. Well, she, you know, she turns into an alien. She kills people. She's terrible, but she's, <laughs> she's, Jim a, Cameron, so. but she's a mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. And I, you know, Xander Berkeley is amazing and that was fun. Yeah, I could tell. I mean, it comes across on screen. Like you just have such a good time with your roles that you do. So, and then I, I want to jump forward just kind of sure. because of time, you, you tr- made the transition into being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, right? Yeah. That was a really strange one. I, I mean, I, you know, I did, um, I did a lot of character roles, and I was like, you know, when I got older, I mean, I did play mothers, but I was mothers who sold their children for crack. That was my, you know, and then um, I don't think I the ever- The new comedy on NBC. I don't think I ever had a husband. I don't think I ever had a husband in any role. Somehow I was, you know, I was always like the single mother whose child was killed. You know, on, on you know guest star roles yeah. where you're just like grieving over your, your dead child. It was- On the and- next Seventh Heaven. I was on seventh heaven. Yeah, I know. I pulled up oh, you your did? piece. <laughs> I, was, I was a geometry teacher. That oh, that is a stretch. Um, <laughs> that was oh my god. I don't even remember. God, I can hardly remember doing that. But um, yeah, no, I was. Um, it was it was really strange. You know, I I knew because I grew up with um, friends whose parents were character actors, and mm-hmm. you know that you know when you get depending on how well you age around like forty or something, there's a you know. a valley for women mm. and I was writing and directing shorts and teaching and doing all the things that actors do and I just the, I had um, this idea and actually it was at a convention where I was signing autographs for Aliens and the other films that I did and it was in a mall in, in outside of London just you know the glamour the glamour yes. um, and in that mall <laughs> there was this bra fitting boutique um, for women with a full bust, yeah. you know, not full figure or anything. But, and I'd he- kind of heard about it, you know, and so and on my lunch break, I went to it and I got fitted and it just like blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe this. And I came home from the con and my husband, I was just complaining. I was like, why don't they open a store here? Or why doesn't somebody open? Why doesn't somebody do that? And he just said, why don't we do it? Awesome. You know, and he's not a, he's a, an artist, a painter. Okay. I mean, we're not business people. It was just, yeah. and um, famous last words, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he regrets it to this day, but it was just kind of like an art project, you know? So I'm, we call it retail theater in a way. Yeah. He designs the, the stores and I mean, I did everything from the beginning, you know, from cleaning the toilets to bookkeeping and wow. I clean toilets much better than I do <laughs> bookkeeping, <laughs> let me tell you. And, but I mean, it's been- so do I. Yeah. yeah, but um, me too. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's you know, it's so we import the bras and the swimwear, sports bras from Europe, and they're very high quality. They're for you know full bust. Um, it's it's the old fashioned way where you come in with your fitter and you talk. Hey, how's your family? How's your kids? And you do wow, that. Cool. And yeah, no, it's it's and that's that's what I like. I, I'm not out about selling things, you know. Yeah. I'm about relationships and talking to people and learning about them, mm-hmm. and that's what the bra fitter does, you know. And um, you know, my God, it's been almost eleven years, and we're eleven op- years. Wow. That's yeah, fantastic. eleven years ago, and um, congrats. Thank you. And we have four in Los Angeles. Okay. We just wow. opened our fourth this past weekend. Wow. <laughs> and we're opening our fifth, which is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. In two weeks. That's fantastic. Um, that, so that's great. Atlanta's where my mother's family's from, so okay. that's kind of I made the jump. It's, you know, it's a little risky, but, you know, I, I like to open, I mean, I love that city. And Well, Atlanta's for some, not, you know, to con- connect it with Hollywood. There's a lot of Hollywood Yeah, there. it seems like it's like the, the East Coast Hollywood nowadays, you it's, know? It's amazing. The last five years are so many. I, I mean, that's part of the reason. It was Xander. It was actually, you know okay. what? I'd, you know, I'd always gone to Atlanta when I was a kid, 
And then I knew Xander was there doing The Walking Dead. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go there and I'm going to visit him and we're going to hang, you know, because so many friends were there. Yeah. And it was actually, it was Gail, Gail Unheard also. Yeah, because she's on, you're working yeah, there. Yeah, she was saying, you should, you know, you as an actor, you know, you should go to, Atlanta. so Atlanta, Atlanta was bubbling up and I was like, you know what? Let me just go to Atlanta. And I fell in love with it. And yeah, ooh. so. Here you are. This is what I do. So at the moment I do, you know, like the marketing, uh, that kind of thing for it. I don't, I have a you know, great, great team and. That does it, and I'm an entrepreneur. Well, clearly, after 11 years, like you said, almost 11 years of, of doing this, you took something that you thought, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just going to jump into it. And here you are making it happen. It's, you know, I'd never thought about doing business. And it's really, it's creative. It's really... The, it is I, creative. Yeah, I'm shocked because I was like, ugh, business, you know. And Well, you think about that when, when you, know, you said your, your husband, you know, kind of designs the, mm-hmm. the look... So much of business is about the presentation. How do you how do you sell it in a way? Like how what do you show people? People are not going to walk up to a storefront that's just plain and whatever. They're going to want to. What's what about what is it about this place that makes me want to go in? Right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's never about selling. I mean, for me, it was always like, okay, just know what you're saying. Give me something of quality. Yeah. Don't cheat me. Have yeah. a beautiful place. Be nice. Be honest. And I'd go. I'd go there. I mean, it was it was really simpler than I than I you know thought. You know that kind of thing where they tell you, oh, you have a, have a business plan and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you could only have. You need a business plan. I'll give you a secret. When somebody will loan you money, mm. but nobody. When I figured out that no one was going to loan us any money because this was you know two thousand eight, and it was like, ah, don't need a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure we mark that moment down. So, <laughs> so and, and and you've also you also do some work because your your um, your assistant I, I would say Rachel right mm-hmm. she she's and I and off air we talked about how fantastic she is and like mm-hmm. and how helpful she was and she you talked about you you do some work as well with um, with uh, kids who have been uh, oh in foster uh, care. foster care yeah yeah Can you talk absolutely. a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so my um, some of my kids came from uh, foster care. My family, my, my all my aunts and uncles were were from foster care and, and adoption. And so that has always been um, a focus of mine, mm-hmm. and um, you know, helping in any whatever way we can. And one thing we I just thought of was you know, um, support through good a good bra. I mean, there's many many things that that go into that, especially you know with with the girls. And there's an organization um, called Glamour Gowns in Los Angeles where every year, and it's through CASA, which is the Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children, mm-hmm. and they um, they have a, an event where every high school girl, and also boy now because it's called Glamour Gowns and Suit Up, can come and get a free prom dress and shoes, and and we do the, the bras. And so the way that I do it is um, when you buy a strapless bra, 100% of the net profits go to buy the, the, the product for the girls every year. And then it's what's so wonderful is that all my clients and fitters, they come and they volunteer and they help them. They're like special dressers and we fit them. Oh, that's and, cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's really it – means, it means a lot. And um, so that's – it's called uh, – it's a nonprofit that we, we have connected to. And it's called the Hourglass Underground. Nice. I like that. Yeah, because like it's like that. each one help one. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I, I love that new approach, like, you know, Tom's uh, Tom Shoes, I think it they is. Call, or... They call it social entrepreneur. Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't realize what that was. At first, I was like, okay, I've got to raise money. Yeah. And, Ugh, I hate raising money. You know, I mean, that's the word. I mean, some people are good. At it. And I was doing fun, some sort of fundraising and all that. And then I heard about this idea of that, no, no, you just earmark like, it's not one for one, really, but yeah, you just earmark. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we do have that's people great. who who donate. I mean, we have, you know, www.hourglassunderground.org where you can <laughs> donate. Um, <laughs> Took ab- the question yeah. out of my mouth. Yeah, there you go. Um, we absolutely do that. Um, but it to me, it's just so much easier. You know, we just say this strapless bra, and then we earmark how much we, we made from that, and that's our budget. And then we work with our vendors who are wonderful, and every year we're doing it right now, we just say, hey, what can we want to make our money go as far as we can. Do you have anything to donate? And, and they always or give us a real deep discount, and we, we just do what we can. It's all out there. Like, it's all out there. You do, it just needs people who want to help make a difference make a difference. It's right. an incre- it's an incredible event. I mean, yeah, and, and the fact that they fantastic. do it for boys now with the suits and the ties. Oh, I love that. 
it's so good. So they also need, you know, men come and, and to do the, the men's section. Then they have the LBGTQ section as well. That's great. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. I mean, that, that, that could be a whole other discussion for a whole other podcast. But I love the idea that you are taking just this idea of like, well, let's see what happens. And now you're making so much of an impact in people's lives. It's great. Well, it made it, you know, my, like I said, my, my aunt, who was like my older sister, she came from foster care at 12. And um, there was a story where my uh, grandmother took her to the basement at Macy's in the summer to get a winter coat. Mm -hmm. And she, she just didn't know. She was like, why are you getting me a winter coat? And she was like, you know, it's alling. It's going to be cold. And, you know, in December, you need a winter. And she said she just cried because the coat represented that she was going to be kept, that somebody was looking mm. ahead to the future. So this idea that a, a simple garment that we all yeah. just think, oh, I'll just get myself a coat to a, a, you know, a child who's in foster care, doesn't have a family, means a lot. So yeah. it, it's, yes, it's just going to the prom and it's just a strapless bra, but it really, it means a lot more than that. So it's, you know, what little that I can do. Can you say the website again? It is hourglassunderground.org. Okay. And you just there's a little PayPal link, and uh, right. we just use it to buy items for these young ladies. And is your store online as well? You can see our. We don't sell online because you have to be fitted. But yes, absolutely, it's a Jeanette Bras, J E N E T T E Bras, um, dot com. And yeah, you could see all the product and read about the store, and right. you know, you know, email and ask questions and Instagram at Jeanette Bras underscore L A and the new A T L. And then I'm, if you want to see me and my cats and different things, I'm at Real Jeanette Goldstein on Fantastic. Instagram. Yeah. We're looking at your face, Corey. I am, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> For those of you listening, we have taken Corey's head because Corey works remotely. Not, not physically taken his head, but because Corey is in Oregon. It's a horror show. It's a horror show. Yes, <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah, because... And a reanimator. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah oh, we... isn't that great? That's yeah, I love great. reanimator. Yeah. Have you had, had Bruce... Not yet. yet. Okay. We haven't had Bruce Abbott yet. <laughs> Maybe we have a connection there. Um, but we talked, uh, We I saw the Bruce uh, reanimator, the musical. Have you seen, did you ever see it? I haven't. I heard about it though. That's a brilliant It idea. was at the Steve Allen Theater, which I don't even think no, is around anymore. I know. They knocked it down. I know. I know. Oh, it's so true. I saw Jeffrey Combs do a one-man play as um, Edgar Allan Poe there. That was a great theater. Which is, yeah, and they did Reanimator the musical, and they gave everybody in the front audience. It was like Gallagher. Everyone had a plastic bag <laughs> because they sprayed blood on everyone. My wife, who's not a horror fan, she goes to it, and she's like, what are we getting into? And I go, wait, did you sh – I showed you the trailer. Did, did you know what the Reanimators are? And she's like, well, I wasn't really paying attention. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh You're in for it then. Yeah, you know? so – and uh, then the blood started spraying, and she's like, this is hilarious and gross. I said, well, that's the movie, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but we're looking at Corey's head um, because he can't be here remotely. And uh, obviously, we're in L.A., and he's in Oregon. And we have a nice cutout of his face that Jeanette gets to look at while we're doing the interview. <laughs> um, thank you again for being on the show. Oh. This is really a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank I mean, you so much. Yeah, I just—it's funny. I did um, Switchblade Sisters. Yes. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a wonderful. You're very. But I was like, what are you? And they were like, you want to talk about near? They'd already done Near Dark. Okay. And it was funny. They had Karen Kusama talk. So they had people. So they just said, you know, give us three genre films that you like that we haven't haven't done, you know, in your thing. And so I gave them Gloria, Mandy, and um, what's the one with the two kids? Um, Love and hate with Robert Mitchum. Anyway, oh yeah, um, um, not they live by oh night. Um, yeah, but it's it's um, the night of the hunter. Night of the hunter. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I was just you know, and so they they said we want you to speak about Mandy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I rewatched. I loved. I rewatched it. Yeah, just Mandy's it. great. It's so yeah, such a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is so great. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I went to see it. It was funny because I was wondering like why because I didn't know the director. Okay. I didn't know the director. It was at the Vista, which is my local theater, and I. I love the Vista. Yeah, my 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 boys work there, and I oh, cool. you know, my hands are in the I get in there free, so it's my theater. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, no no, nice. I Victor is he's my my guy. So I saw it there, and I'm like, what's that? Like that is a crazy fucking poster, and I was like, Nick, Cage. I'm like, yeah. I said, let's just go see this. I don't know what the hell yeah. this thing is. It's so good. Well, he he, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day saying. Is, is Nick Cage a good – is he a good actor or is he just over the top and wild? And I said, no, he is a, Yo, a phenomenal actor. I learned so much about – I mean, it's interesting because I was asking her, like, well, do you want me as, as a 
as a fan to sort of talk <laughs> about Mandy because I don't, you know, I'm not a director and and you know she's no, I'll 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 because it, it's a very intellectual sort of show as far as filmmakers okay. go you know, in a way, you know, and um, so she was like, no, no, I've, I've I'll I'm going to talk about it. So she, I learned so much about. Nick, you know that he. Oh no, he likes he likes to know where everything is and, yeah. and not mis- and, he, and I said that makes perfect sense because if yeah. you're going to go that crazy, I mean, some actors like the. But I know exactly. I'm like that. If I'm going to go out of control, I need to know I'm stepping here. I'm doing do, you know like the safe work. Yeah. And he's exactly like that. That's awesome. He doesn't want happy act. You know, he wants like that. And oh, very, I just very purposeful. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I. Oh, God, it's so funny. Have you seen the? What uh, Corey? What's the new one? Color out of night or I uh, oh, color out of space? Yeah, out of space. Yeah. You know, I was in Atlanta where I'm going tomorrow, and because I'm doing um, for Aliens Day. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Four twenty six. Four twenty six. <laughs> to field the offers. Last time I did it, they did something at like where was I at the Ace downtown? But so in Atlanta, Ooh, yeah. there is an old movie theater called the Plaza. It's the oldest movie theater. It's exactly like the New Arts. Got a balcony. Mm. The whole thing. And the guys who run it and the local video store, of course, yes. who all know everybody I know here because everyone knows each other, <laughs> the independent, you know. Yeah. So we're doing for, as for Aliens Day, they're going to do, you know, they're going to screen Aliens oh. and I'm going to do a Q&A. Oh, cool. But they, but back to your thing, when I went there to meet the guys, they were playing that. They were. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we had, um, we had uh, Tony Timpone on talking about. Fangoria, the, the 80s and the 90s of horror and whatnot, and he talked about uh, Richard Stanley. He's a big fan of his films and how it's so great for him to finally have a, a vehicle again to showcase what a talent he is as a director. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's funny because my husband, he's a, an, a, he's a fine artist, but he mm-hmm. really grew up. And he ran movie theater, so he was the he was the manager of the Clay okay. in, in um, San Francisco. I think I know the that The old grindhouse, yeah. The, I lived in the Bay Area for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, down so. the cat, and also in the Castro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Castro, actually saw Near Dark. New Beverly screened uh, uh, Near uh, Dark uh, yes. not that long ago. Oh, did they? Yeah, I was able to go to that a few years back. Yeah, because Quentin Tarantino has a copy. Yeah, yeah. I've done, I remember I did a Q&A there with, with Bill and somebody else. I can't remember. I missed that one. I remember that one. <laughs> I missed it. I was so bummed. Yeah, is that, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they did Near Dark recently, so they said, do you want to do um, Aliens Day? On, on uh, I was like, yeah. It's like so our cool. store opens, you know, so I can kind of do the new store in Atlanta. And I just love that you're a fan of the genre because oh, absolutely, you know, um, so oftentimes I forget who we talked to, but they were not really a big fan of horror films, uh, and and I, I just thought, but but they had done a number of them, and I thought, well, that's you know, that's an, an interesting choice because they're like, well, I oh no, it was a, it was a director who, uh-huh. who had directed a couple really good horror films, and he's like, well, I'm, I don't actually really like horror films. Like, well, come on, you got to, you know. I don't like slasher. Uh, you know, I like, uh, you know, my problem is I get affected. Effect, I can't, like, look at it. And my go, wife's that yeah. way. Yeah. It, it disturbs me so much mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's hard for me to to watch. But, I mean, they're uh, some of my favorite, like, Hereditary. Hereditary oh, yeah, yeah. I thought was amazing. Oh, yeah. My wife and I loved Hereditary. Oh, my God. That one was so good. You know, there's certain, but, I mean, there are certain, like, blood. Like, I've never seen um, uh, Nightmare on... Elm Street. Street. Yeah. But and it's a different genre. Said, it's a different subgenre, right? Yeah. Freddy. Oh, those, those, those ones, Freddy and all of. Hey, do you know um, the band Wolfie's Just Fine? Wolfie's <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, so. That's Z- awesome. It's, okay, look it up. There, so it's a band. So it, it, um, he's a Canadian Wolfie's guy. Wolfie's Just f- Fine. So there's a song called Todd and Janelle. So Xander was the one that turned me on to this because there's a song called Todd and Janelle. Okay. So this guy, I forget. I'm, I'm like, tell me what his name is. Wolfie. Like, oh, it's uh, this is by John Lejoie. Yeah. He used to be. Uh, he's an yeah, actor. he was on uh, the League, and yeah. yeah, he was. He's great. Yeah, oh, he's cool. a good songwriter, comedy. He is so, but he writes so. Wolfie's just fine. Is is actually folk. So, it's really beautiful song, and it it deals with subjects of genre. Phil, he has the most so. Todd and Janelle is a beautiful song about a marriage going bad. Oh. And it ha- takes place in the mind of Todd just before he's killed. Wow. It's so, it's such a good song and it's so beautiful. 
And then he I has a beautiful that. song about Friday. I think it's Friday the thirteenth, and it's about how he was taken. So he was he w- was a French speaker. He grew up in Quebec, and he was taken by some friends' family to, and to another house, and they watched it. He wasn't supposed to watch it, and it was his first time he ever saw like a naked boob, and it was all mixed with being killed, and 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 it's this great. Vi- it's all about that, like how it affected him, yeah. and, and that, and it's a wonderful song. Oh, anyway, I've got to check it out. He's a great writer. One of the reasons we have this podcast, for me, in a weird way, is like therapy because I process some of the things that I was going through as a kid and why was I so attracted to certain movies or certain role model characters uh-huh. and whatnot. Where was I in my parents' relationship and my my relationship with my brother and yada, yada, yada. Well, it feels like genre is, you know, I mean, so I was asked about Mandy and I'm like, it's it's a love story, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a bad revenge. And genre is like, it's, to me, it's very similar to like Greek tragedy, and it's, totally. it's a simple, the simple pared down story. There's not a lot of excess exposition. You, you know, people know that story over and over. Yep. Ah, his wife is killed, and he seeks revenge. Yep, that's it. Straightforward. Yeah, and so that's very much what is you know horror or the war film. Aliens was the war film. Mm-hmm. Um, Near Dark is the genre. It's sort of the roving band of. Um, criminals mm-hmm. or a drug a story about drug addiction there's also that in yep. there yep. but it's done as a vampire film so it's mixing of genres and anyway i love that jeanette goldstein thank you so much for being on our show oh thanks for having this me. is a great trip down memory lane and past <laughs> present and future right yes. yeah this yeah. was very cool thank you thank you very much oh you're welcome Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Jeanette Goldstein. And, as always, thank you for your support. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.